I do believe um, that there is carryance over to improve performance. One of the the ways to explore that is a Wim Hof thing that he does is do a max set of push-ups. Mm-hmm. And pe- whether, let's say you get 22. Um, then do a Wim Hof breathing cycle and then hold your breath. Don't breathe at all and do as many push-ups as you can. And even though you're more fatigued from already having done a max set, most people will exceed their, their previous number. Yeah. Because you've oxygenated your whole body. Huh. I never used to be able to swim from a length of a, uh, a swimming pool underwater. Yep. Um, I can do that very easily now. Um, after a Wim Hof cycle, I can't do it yep. just jumping in the pool. And it's something that we're going to continue to explore and expand with our athletes. We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run. Always chasing. Never stop. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence. Ben just made a funny face. That's why I'm laughing. How you doing, bud? I'm doing good. How you doing, Patrick? I'm doing very well. We are going to talk today about something actually, we, we've hinted at it before. You've talked about your experience with Wim Hof, um, and it's definitely you know in the water supply to a degree. Hmm. Um, we're going to talk about breath work. Um, I think breath work is... Um, fascinating and i know almost nothing about it um so i'm excited to dive into this to to pick your brain a little bit and hear what you've been experimenting with um both for yourself and your athletes um i think one of the the things that uh the the, one of the first things that popped into my mind is is uh, i think many folks will know the um whiteboard daily instagram account run by a buddy of mine named carl um he did something relatively recently, a couple of weeks ago. It, it caught my eye. He was he was sort of um, drawing what is the familiar um, kind of hierarchy of fitness. I'm sure that you, there's a there's a, a a term to it that I'm forgetting, but where nutrition's on the bottom, metabolic conditioning, gymnastics, weightlifting, and sport is at the top. And the thing that he was drawing, what he was kind of pointing to, is this idea that actually breath work is on the bottom of that, right? It's the base. It's the foundation of everything that comes above it. And that's, that's pretty new. That was one of the first times that I'd seen anybody kind of combine those things together. And so I I just wanted to throw this out to you and, and see where you're at as it relates to breath work. Is it in your mind, the foundation, is it the base? Is it somewhere else? Is it not included at all? Um, Where, where, where should we start? Where have you started as it relates to thinking about working on breath work? Cool. Yeah. Um, I, I think breath work is fascinating and I've, I've started to explore it. So mm. I think this popped up like maybe a couple of years ago where was someone like people were asking about it. And I was like, I had to default. I was like, listen, I don't, Yeah. I, they were like nasal breathing. Like, what do you think about nasal yeah. breathing? I was like, I honestly, I can't really speak to it because I haven't done it very, <laughs> it reminds me of um, that a story of this woman brings her, um, child to Gandhi and says, um, can you tell my child to stop eating sugar? Mm. And Gandhi says, come back in 30 days. So she comes back in 30 days and she said, um, can you tell my son not to eat sugar? And he turns to the son and says, son, do not eat sugar. <laughs> and she's like super confused. She's like, what's the deal? Why couldn't you just tell him that 30 days ago? And he's like, cause I needed 30 days to stop eating sugar. <laughs> so, Got it. Um, Got it. 
So while uh, while I've experienced some breathwork stuff, I'm kind of where Gandhi is. I'm 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 a little bit I'm still in the novice stage of this. So yep. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert. I'm happy to share my experience and what I'm doing with the athletes. Yep. But um, I am far from an expert. Um, where I am right now in the journey is I've worked with a Wim Hof coach for probably maybe four or five times um, in person. I've done a few cold exposures, done some of the Wim Hof breathing practices. Um, and then I've, I've now kind of like immersed myself a little bit deeper. I've done a, a form of Wim Hof breathing for, um, a hundred days. Hmm. So, um, I'm actually like right now is the hundred day mark. Um, and that's a hundred days inside of, um, um, you know, it's about three and a half months. I've only missed, I've never missed two days in a row. And the least I've done in a week is five days in a week. So I always do at least five days a week. Usually it's seven. Got it. Um, it's been amazing. It's been transformative. Um, again, I'm super novice at this. It's it it's um, opened my eyes to explore some other things. So I've read. Um, oh man, I'm gonna blank on his name. Uh, but it's a book called Breath. I can't yeah. remember. Uh, James Nestor. Um, yep, I think that's right. Yep, it's highly, highly, highly recommended to every one of our listeners. Um, it should be on one of the you know the top twenty books that people in this space should be reading. In my mm -hmm. mind. Um, it's fascinating. We all breathe wrong. How could that possibly be? But we right. do. Yep. Um, and um, it opens it opened my eyes to some other communities and some other ways. So I started off with Wim Hof, then went into some other some of like meditative box breathing, some of the Navy SEAL type stuff. What they do, um, explored a little bit of like just uh, breath hold stuff and like deep sea divers and what they've done. And again, I've only dabbled like a session or two here or there and all these other ones. The only one I've consistently practiced for a hundred days, I don't say hundred days straight, but it's pretty close to that is Wim Hof. Mm -hmm. um, interestingly enough, kind of speaking of that Navy SEAL one, when I went out and spoke to the Navy SEALs a couple of years ago, um, and we were sharing kind of practices on mental training and mental practices, we were like, railroad tracks. We were super aligned in everything that we were doing, which was more like, <laughs> I don't think they learned anything from me. And I just got like a total vote of confidence for what we were doing with our athletes. Yeah. But the only discrepancy was we were just kind of dabbling very, very lightly in breath work at the time. And they were like, they were like, this is mental training. This is how we do mental training. This is the foundation of it. So Maybe at a really high level, and we talk about this on a podcast and other forms and fashions, but um, the idea is there's a lot of things. So it's, a, it's about using all of your lungs. It's about accessing the autonomic nervous system. Um, it's about um, shifting, controlling when you go from the parasympathetic to the sympathetic nervous system. And that's what they really use it for is they put their, their, um, their elite fighters in really high stress situations. So for example, when I went out there to talk to those guys afterwards, the, the SEAL team member that invited me out there, went out to dinner with him and I was just picking his brain left and right. And I, mm -hmm. one of the questions I asked him was, what's the, what's the hardest evolution that they call like uh, their training um, pieces, like their training sessions, evolutions. What's the hardest evolution that you had to experience through um, BUDS or SQT or any of the training things up until like when you actually um, – got out of and you were you had your trident you were a, a, a fight part of the fighting force and he talked about what they had to do in training 
Um, and it might have been when he was a SEAL at this point, but I'm probably going to get the, the specifics wrong, but the way I remember it was they do a night dive. So full scuba at night, pitch dark in the San Diego Harbor. They start in the, where uh, they are in court, near Coronado Island. They start in San Diego Harbor where these huge massive battleships are, highly trafficked. And what they have to do is underwater, pitch black, the only thing that they can see lit up is the glow light of their watch with a compass on it. Got it. And they have to stay super focused for hours underwater. Think how long that would seem to hit a buoy about two miles out. When they hit that buoy, they then turn another and go another to make a 90 degree right hand turn and go hit another buoy. They miss the buoy they, or they miss the other yeah. buoy. And like they're kind of like, out to, yep. but the, the scariest part of this is you can't see anything else and your mind starts to play tricks on you. Yep. And they know that the sharks hang out on the other side of on underneath battleships where there's not as much of a current right by the, mm. right by the keel and the sky. They have to swim under that in their minds. They're like, I'm going to swim right into the open mouth of a shark. Mm -hmm. And then during the swims, they'll be like an hour and a half into the swim, just basically in this meditative state and something bigger than a human being will like knock into them. Mm -hmm. And what they have to do is they have to control their breathing and their heart rate so they don't spin out of control and use up all their oxygen. Yeah. So the only way you can get yourself out of that fight or flight, holy shit, I might die right now, back into this, it's cool, I'm good, is through breath work. Mm. And that was really eye-opening for me. And that's one of the things that kind of pulled me into this world. Um, that along with you hear like a – um, you know, Laird Hamilton and Brian McKenzie and all these other guys talking about breath work. And, um, you know, there's a few really um, rogue coaches that have done um, pretty intense breath work to get some good performances. Yep. Um, and then on top of that, I have um, a mild case of asthma. So when mm -hmm. I go get tested, I have the lung capacity of like, a, I'm, I'm 44 years old right now, but I have a lung capacity of like a 68 year old even though I've done Ironman triathlons and CrossFit every day in my life. So any ability to kind of get more access to my lung power is kind of exciting to me. Yep. Um, so that's kind of where I got started through this work. Um, again, kind of feel like I'm just a novice. Like I'm just getting my, my feet wet in this thing. Um, but it's opened my eyes to a lot, um, mm. uh, like a lot, a lot. Uh, mostly when you do this deep, breathing practice. And there's all these different things. There's, so it just kind of brings some color to what breath practice means. It yeah. could be anything from cover one nostril, breathe in, breathe out through that nostril, cover the other nostril, breathe in throughout through that nostril. That's a very popular piece of breath work. Um, another one is box breathing, which is breathe in for four seconds, hold for four seconds, breathe out for four seconds, hold for four seconds, rinse, wash, repeat. The Navy SEAL version of that is the same, but they actually found that they can get themselves into an even um, faster and more deeper parasympathetic state with a six-second exhale and a two-second hold. Um, I actually really like that one a lot. It, it's really is. If you ever um, – your kids are bugging you or um, you had a stressful day at work when you pull in the driveway before you go in the house um, or you're about to go into a really big meeting um, to get yourself out of that reactive fight-or-flight state and into a place where you can have – higher levels of consciousness, um, that can help a lot. And then there's this other 
process, uh, other practice called over-breathing, which is Wim Hof falls in the category of over-breathing, okay. which is aggressive, aggressive inhalations and exhalations for a prolonged period of time, followed by a breath hold. Um, and you repeat that cycle three, four, five, six times. Um, and it gets you, um, you know, everything from into a really incredibly deep meditative state, you know, much deeper than a lot of people would say you get from like a four day silent meditate, like, like literally don't speak to anyone, go in the woods and just meditate for four days in five to 10 minutes. You can get a deeper meditative state through this practice. But then also like Wim Hof has shown that, um, you can start to gain access to your autonomic nervous system, which means, um, the autonomic nervous system is the parts of the body that just kind of run on their own. Like the muscular, like you make your muscles move by thoughts, um, by intention, but you don't do that with your heart. You don't do that with your digestion. You don't do that with your immune system. Those are just autonomic mm -hmm. through this breath practice. He's proven, he's shown that you can gain access to that and you can control your internal body temperature. You can control your immune system to the point where this is kind of the famous story. They injected him with E. coli in a laboratory setting, controlled setting, and they watched his um, his immune system fight it off without him getting sick. And like, oh my God, you're crazy. That's amazing. You're a mutant. Like you don't, you shouldn't exist. You're one in a million. He's like, absolutely not. I can, I train, I can teach others to do this. He's from the Netherlands. Oh, that's my Netherlands accent. <laughs> um, which by the way, like the Netherlands, the Dutch, mm -hmm. like, Deutschland, like, like, no, Deutschland's Germany, like, it, um, like, what it, there's a lot of different words for that country. <laughs> that's where you're going with that? Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's, yeah, that's my tangent. All right, pulling back. Got it. Yeah. Um, and then, so he trained, he trained this group of people. He's like, give me five days with these people. I'm going to bring them over to the mountains. I'm going to teach them this breath work. We're going to do cold exposures. They're like, no, you don't have five days. You don't have a week. You got three days. And he taught, he taught people in three days how to fight off E. coli without getting sick while the control group all got sick. Yep. And it's, it's fairly fascinating stuff when you dive into this, um, what is available to us through some intentional breathing. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, lots of questions, but, but early on in that, you said something that I think, you know, if you can unpack it as best you can, um, again, respecting that you're still figuring this out as you, as we go to, you said, we're, most of us are breathing wrong. Mm -hmm. Can you just explain that a little bit? Cause that's sort of, to me, it, it reminds me of uh, when we started doing CrossFit and, and again, Brian McKenzie, uh, probably not a coincidence, um, would go around the country telling people that they were running wrong. And I thought that that was so fascinating because it was one of those things that people just thought like, Oh, right. I've got, I've got feet. I just run. And there's no way for me to do this incorrectly. And yet what Brian did, what CrossFit, all those things, uh, and Romanoff too, um, we'll be like, nope, actually you're running incorrectly and here's the correct way. And so that, that's what I think about is, is how can I be breathing wrong? Yeah. <laughs> right. I've been doing this for my entire life. How could I be doing it wrong? So what does that mean to, to be breathing wrong or that most of us are breathing wrong? So Brian kind of exposing that everyone's running wrong in the CrossFit community is the reason we are running incorrectly is because our environment set us up to do so is these running companies created these huge, massive heel cushion sneakers so that we would feel comfortable heel striking. And whenever your foot goes out in front of you and you strike with your heel first, and once you are exposed to this, you can't not see it. It's crazy. It's like, all I see is broken people. Like, <laughs> oh my God, it causes so many injuries and so many slow people and so much um, lack of um, efficiency in their running form. 
if your foot is in front of your center of mass, you are actively putting on the brake with every single step. And imagine jump roping and having your heels be the first thing that hit the ground when you jump rope. Like no mm-hmm. one in their right mind would do that. Everyone else would do the way that kids run, the way that Usain Bolt runs, and the way that the winner of the Boston Marathon runs. Meaning what I mean by that is inherently built into our DNA is to run with this mechanics. And then similarly, that is the fastest person in the world and the person that are the best at the long distance stuff do this as well. The people that do it imp- incorrectly are all of us. Yes. Um, it's the same thing with our breathing. So, but it's our environment that's created us to breathe in this form and fashion. Mm-hmm. There are um, um, tribes, there are in, um, ancestral groups that um, will actually get their, um, they'll actually close them. So with the, the breathing thing is we all are mouth breathers. Mm-hmm. We're not supposed to breathe through our mouth. Okay. We're supposed to breathe through our nose. Um, and breath, breath through your nose is um, that is the way that air is supposed to travel into our body. Um, you're supposed to get food through your mouth and air through your nose. That's kind of the way it's set up. Got it. What's happened is through um, my take on this is that it's through the foods that we've eaten. It's distorted our jaws for really crowded. It's why we have dental issues. There's a guy named Weston Price who was a dentist. He's like, why all the hell am I seeing all these like crowded teeth all of a sudden? People are extracting teeth and braces. Mm-hmm. And when in the primate world, that doesn't exist except for in humans. Like yep. we're the only primates that 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 happens to. And hunter-gatherer civilizations that don't eat processed foods don't have this. They have perfect teeth. They never brush their teeth. They never have cavities. It's like, and I use the word never, like, of course there's exceptions to everything, right? Like the guy that knocked his face out with a rock and whatever it is. But generally speaking, the, the, the norms in these societies are perfectly straight teeth and really wide um, jaw lines. Mm. Um, and that's the way we're supposed to be. But what's happened is once they introduce processed foods to those um, hunter-gatherer civilizations in one generation, and actually will happen in about a decade, the narrowing of the jawline, the, the roof of the mouth goes up. And when the, narrow, the jawline narrows and the roof of the mouth goes up, it collapses our nasal cavity. And that's why you get like, huh. I have it. I have a nasal, I have, I have like um, really hard um, breathing time breathing through my nose for my entire life. I have like, I, I don't have access to my nose. It's because of that. So what we need to do is just like any muscle is regain the musculature in the nasal cavity to be able to breathe the way we're supposed to breathe. So that's how, that's why we breathe wrong. Um, and I got exposed to Weston Price through like a uh, paleo literature, but it never led into breathing. It was always like food. And I loved it. You can look at the before and after pictures, like just Google Weston Price um, dental. Um, actually, if you just put in that, it'll probably pop right up. And then Google image it and you'll see what I'm talking about. It's really fascinating. Hmm. That is interesting. Um, so then is it, what is ultimately, what, what are, what are you, what are we, what are the Navy SEALs, what are athletes trying to accomplish by doing breath work? The, the, the thing that popped in my head when you were talking about the Navy SEALs is, and I don't know if this is the right term, but stress management, the ability mm-hmm. to kind of regulate yourself. Is that roughly what we're talking about across the board, whether you're a Navy SEAL, whether you're an athlete in a CrossFit gym or your Katrin, is that roughly like, is that the, 
Is that everything live under that sort of umbrella or are there more specifics or am I, am I sort of mishearing the point of it? No, I would put it kind of like, I think that way you kind of introduce this conversation, yep. um, you know, with the daily whiteboard. Yep. Um, I think there's a lot more to be gained out of this. And again, I'm in the beginning stages, so bear with me, but I believe that there's a lot more to be gained out of this than just um, the obvious, which it definitely does is kind of like, the ability to in real time mitigate stress levels. Yep. But also understand that stress levels are the number one cause for inflammation. I'm saying number one cause. It, it's, it's one of the um, predominant factors for silent inflammation in the body, like chronic inflammation, which leads to chronic disease. So unpack that a little bit. Like doing breath work could actually prevent chronic disease. Mm. It's one of the factors that could be associated with this. And there are countless studies that show this out where people don't change their diet. They don't change their sleep. They don't change their exercise. They do breath work practice and their health markers turn for the better in massive ways. Hmm. Um, I'm not there enough to say it's the sixth factor of health. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not quite there yet. Um, but uh, I'm I'm definitely exploring it because I do believe it has um, massive implications. The other side of this is when you do breath work and it does lower your stress. When you lower your stress, um, you 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 re- you get a reprieve from the constant fight or flight that most of us are living in. Yep. And that fight or flight it kind of like hijacks you. Like you're not you when you are in that fight or flight state. You are. Uh, running from the saber-toothed tiger, but it's hypothetical now because there's no saber-toothed tigers. You're running from the stresses at work, the stresses of traffic, the stresses of social media, the stresses of your modern day relationships, um, which your body is going to respond to like it's a life-threatening thing, yet it's not. Mm -hmm. So your body is going to pull all of its available resources out of the gut to the working extremities because it thinks you're running away from a saber-toothed tiger. If you have that happening, more often than not, your gut gets messed up big time. So a lot of your gut issues could be from the food you're eating, or it could be from just the stress you're having. Hmm. Now, if breath work is a way to mitigate stress, I don't want to minimize how important that is. That's If we can solve people's stress levels, um, usually they would get then enough energy to start eating better, sleeping better, and exercising better. Mm-hmm. It's like, what comes first, you know, the cart or the horse? It's like, um, that's definitely not the right saying there. Don't put the cart. What, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? That's a better one, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, so it is like, to, if you do breath work, is that going to allow you to get yourself in a situation where you don't have this chronic inflammation, your joints don't hurt, you start losing weight and your lungs start performing better and you can get better ass, um, control of your mind and all of a sudden you feel like more alive and more free and excited for things. And as you start to do breath work, the nice, awesome side effect of that is you fall into a meditative state where your ego dissolves. And I don't mean ego in terms of like, and I, I'm very excited to, um, this 100-day journey has also been a 100-day uh, meditation journey. Uh, yeah. what, I, what I don't mean by ego is like, I need to be right and I'm the, um, best. I'm the best, right? Yeah. It's ego in the sense that you are operate, you are walking through the world 
with a imaginary operating system that doesn't really exist. It's more like the matrix than anything else. And if you can gain access and you can start to um, pull on the thread of the ego, you start to dissolve the ego and you start to see reality for what it actually is. And what I mean by that is we all have, we are pattern recognition machines. Our subconscious has been built into us so that we are freed up to do and navigate the world in other ways. So certain things can just happen on autopilot. You've gotten to the point now where you can drive to work. You don't drive to work. You work from home, but people can drive to work without thinking about like gas pedal, brake, shift, stop like that means stop car slowing down in front of me. That means slow down. You just do it on autopilot so that you can do other things. You can think about other things while you're like, what are you having for dinner? What's work going to be like? You can think about other things. Unfortunately, that creates a false reality for a lot of us in a lot of different ways because we've built these pattern recognitions that aren't true. What I mean by that is um, we're both walking down the street together and we hear a dog bark. I, my heart starts pounding, my pupils dilate, the hairs on my, I start going fight or flight because I was bit three times as a kid. Mm -hmm. That dog barking means like warning, look out where you grew up and every single time you came home, your golden retriever started barking when it heard you and it means love is waiting. You hear that and like the warm and fuzzies come over you. The reality is a dog is barking, but our def our pattern recognition, our operating system is guiding us through a reality that isn't real. And once you can start to pull back on that and see it for what it is, example, like your wife says, Hey, can you help with the dishes? Okay. If you grew up with a very controlling mom, you hear that and you go like, there she is trying to control me again. Like my wife is always trying to tell me what to do. Um, she's not going to tell me what to do. Like, mm -hmm. meanwhile, your wife is just asking if you can do the dishes. Like right. versus you grew up with somebody that um, you didn't, you grew up in an environment where there were no dishes, that you were totally solo. You were on your own. Like you had to fight for every single thing tooth and nail. Somebody asking you to help with the dishes is like the greatest thing ever. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh my God, yes, I get to be a, a part of something. I get to... Realize that, yes, we have this amazing thing. With this, So we all interpret the world in a way that's not the, really the world. Mm -hmm. And it also causes us to create these fears and anxieties of an imagined future that is not going to come to fruition. But because our fears drive us towards something, we go, yep, see, I was nervous about that and there it is. Well, it's because what you look for, you see more of. Hey, Patrick, you're going to buy a new Camry. Do you want a white one or a black one? All of a sudden you see Toyota Camrys everywhere you go. It's a frequency illusion. And these self-fulfilling biases drive us towards that. Well, through breathing, which leads to meditation, which leads to an awareness of the ego and melting of the ego and a raising of your consciousness opposite of ego. So I think of it kind of like on a spectrum one end of the spectrum is like unconsciousness, like comatose, like coma at the lowest level. But next would be like mindlessly scrolling through social media, like high eyes half open, comatose state or like flicking through the channels, not really paying attention to anything. To like the next one is like um, ego, which is like um, judging, um, pass fail, fear, resentment. The next one is like more like just thoughts. And the next one is like kind of being come detached from your thoughts because your thoughts are not you. And only through like 
meditation, I don't say only, meditation is a really strong practice to bring that to light. And you start to see these prisms that you've navigated the world with, which don't serve you anymore. You had mentioned when we started and you'd mentioned it before that you used or you worked with a coach to do the Wim Hof stuff. I wonder if you can't maybe walk us through like why a coach, what was the value of that? Maybe even so much as like, well, what was, what was that process look like? Was, were they just there to give you some tips and tricks or like, what was, why a coach? Yeah. Um, so like anything, I think a coach speeds up the process in anything you want to do. Like if you want to learn to play guitar, like you can fumble around for six weeks or you could take six lessons, right? Um, so that was the why. And the honest answer to that was um, some of our members and friends were working with this coach um, to help one of um, to help our friend uh, navigate um, uh, Lyme disease. Mm. Um, so because you can gain access to your autonomic nervous system and help cure things. So um, they were working with one. They invited me to one of their Wim Hof sessions. Um, so it's exactly what you think it would be. Dim the lights, the bongo music comes on. Um, but the cool part is it's not like the soft, it's not like, okay, now release your mind. It's this bro from Brooklyn that works with MMA fighters. He comes yep. in with the man bond. He's like, and he talks the whole time through like this and this tonality. He's like, all right, let's start breathing. Okay. Breathe in and out. Inhale, exhale. And it's just like, it's not foofy at all. Um, but what he does is he teaches you how to do it. One hand on your belly, one hand on your chest, inhale fully, try to expand your belly. And he kind of guides you through it. And he says like, now let's bring some intention to it. Let's bring some intention to your inhales, exhale, and he'll time it out for you. And the cool thing is, so the way Wim Hof goes, and it's the thing I'm most comfortable with talking about now, cause it's the one I practiced for a while. Um, again, a while in with an asterisk next to it, um, is it's 30 to 45 powerful, powerful breaths. And the way Wim Hof says it is, if you're listening with kids right now, pot, like volume down, but he just says, he doesn't care how you do it. He's like, mm -hmm. just breathe, motherfucker. You know, so it's like, <laughs> yes. so just breathe. And the idea is don't bring judgment to any of it. Just breathe. Like, <sighs> he doesn't care if you're breathing through your nose, through your mouth mm -hmm. or anything else. Um, I found that breathing through the nose matters most. I started off with really aggressive breathing and Wim Hof was really hard when I first started this because it was everything I had for every breath. Um, and what you're trying to do is oxygenate the body. So you're bringing more oxygen in, more oxygen in, more oxygen than you've ever had before. And then on um, after 30 to 40 um, big inhales with – and then after the last one, exhale and you hold your breath. Mm -hmm. And when I first tried this, I didn't, I'd never worked with a coach. I just tried to hold my breath for as long as I could. So I'm in the gym when I try this for the first time and I set a stopwatch and I'm in the back room and I, um, take a couple breaths and I breathe out and I hold my breath and I hold it and I hold it. And all of a sudden like the, the head starts pounding, <laughs> the burning in my lungs and my throat needs to swallow and it becomes really tough. And I'm like, all right, hold it. Hold it, hold it, hold it for 10 more seconds, 10 more seconds, 10 more seconds. Hold it, hold it. And it's like excruciating. And I click my watch. I open my eyes. I look down. And it was 17 seconds. <laughs> and I was like, what the, what the, again, like asthma. And I'm, I just, yep. I just know, like, I can't do that. 
So then I do this a round of Wim Hof and I do it again and I hold my breath and it was like 34 seconds. I was like, yeah. whoa, whoa, that changed in two minutes. I doubled yep. it. Yeah. Um, having done this for a, a hundred days now, I usually fluctuate somewhere between a minute 15 and I've held my breath now as high as 245, mm-hmm. um, which is a massive difference from being able to hold it for 17 seconds. But the beautiful part about holding your breath is not the goal of how long you can hold it is uh, you'll love this. Cause you love this term is the stillness mm. that's created. When you hold your breath, you literally don't even have, br- there's nothing. And sometimes like you'll feel your body change temperatures. Like your hands will start to tingle. Your feet will get tingly or cold or hot. Your chest will get hot or cold. And it's different, different times. Um, you'll start to maybe see geometric shapes behind your eyelids and other times you, you can't do it cause you're chasing it too hard and you're judging it. And it's like this constant battle, it, but it's this really cool experience of, um, um, so anyway, getting back to your question of working with a coach, um, he helps guide you through that whole process of he'll time it out. He shows you what those breaths look like. He'll, he demonstrates them and then he guides you through some intentionality behind the practice. So it's not just sit and do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. But what I've actually found is I like the unguided ones even more because it truly allows me to kind of experience it the way I want to experience it that day. And then after we do that is you've gained access into how to control your fight or flight mechanism. And then what we did is, um, um, we jumped in a cold plunge. So where we went, um, they have a tub. It's literally a refrigerator that they flipped on its side that keeps the that keeps the temperature at 34 degrees. Mm -hmm. It is gnarly. It is like, no. So you get in and immediately it stings you. It's stinging. And then your body starts to jackhammer. It's just like, and through that breath process, you can control the jackhammer and you control it. And then you get out and do this like kind of like mantra dance to get like blood flowing back through you. Um, And you get so energized from it. It's really Mm. pretty fascinating. That's interesting. Um, have you seen or what have you seen as it relates to transference into the gym, uh, both for yourself and then maybe we can kind of squeeze in a, a how and, and in what ways is this affecting your athletes too? Um, are you noticing whatever, you know, whatever it might be, your your workouts are better, your 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 breathing and workouts are better, whatever. Um, what does that look like? If okay. Anything? So big disclaimer here is um, for people that might be not be listening to this in real time, we are towards the end of a pandemic. So I've been working out with a mask on for the last uh, six months at least. It's okay. really hard to gauge where I am from that aspect of it through this process. Yep. Um, what I will say is that my my I wear a whoop so I can measure my resp- my uh, respiratory rate, how many breaths I take in a minute. Um, and that has decreased um, throughout this time. So my resting respiratory, meaning my lungs are getting stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, so they don't, I don't have to, um, I'm getting more oxygen in. I will also say while I feel a little stuffed up today, um, it's spring and a little bit of allergies, I've gained access to like literally, I spent my, this is without exaggeration, my entire youth and adolescence never breathing through my nose. Mm. And I, I can do that now, which is kind of neat and interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, I've done some form of breath work with my athletes for many years. We started breath work in some form or fashion, uh, but it was more in terms of a mindfulness approach. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we did it before our training sessions. Um, and we've done that since about 2016. Um, recently this year, we've done a Wim Hof session uh, once a week with the, all of the athletes. Um, we've also done forms of box breathing. Um, and I do believe... Um, that there is carryance over to improve performance. One of the, the ways to explore that is a Wim Hof thing that he does is do a max set of pushups. Mm-hmm. And whether, let's say you get 22, um, then do a Wim Hof breathing cycle and then hold your breath. Don't breathe at all and do as many pushups as you can. And even though you're more fatigued from already having done a max set, most people will exceed their, their previous number. Yeah. Cause you've oxygenated your whole body. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I never used to be able to swim from a length of a, uh, a swimming pool underwater. Yep. Um, I can do that very easily now. Um, after a Wim Hof cycle, I can't do it yep. just jumping in the pool. Yep. Um, and it's something that we're going to continue to explore and expand with our athletes. Um, for sure. I've done it with the CFNE members as well in a regular class. Oh, interesting. Um, that was going to be one of my questions is, again, knowing that it's early and that maybe it, this hasn't quite fit into the the five factors, you know, becoming a sixth factor. But do you imagine a scenario or a way that breath work becomes kind of like nutrition in this in the world of an affiliate or in the world of a gym in the sense of like it's important and we talk about it and we do yeah. stuff around it? I do. Yeah. Um, you know, like Heather's gone so far. I haven't done this yet because my nasal breathing isn't as strong as hers is right now. But Heather, my wife, for those that don't know, um, has done sleep tape. So is our, all of our neighbors. So our neighbors, we've rolled our neighbors into this thing. And just putting a piece of tape over your yep. lips, um, a vertical piece of tape over your lips while you sleep to um, to encourage nasal breathing. And um, what's really interesting is people that do that don't get up to pee as often. Um, there's glands that get accessed and turned off by the form of breathing that you're doing. So there's a lot of, um, behind the scenes things that go on kind of like nutrition, right? Is as you, nutrition is not just about looking better and performing better. There's a lot of things that happen behind the scenes in terms of the, um, the different systems that regulate the body that can benefit from good nutrition. Same thing from good, good, uh, good breath work. Interesting. And how long, like a session, you know, you've been doing it for a hundred days. How long is a session? Is it so a normal like a, like one a meditation me, session? Yeah. Like 15 so 15 minutes. Yep. So a normal one for me is, um, and I think this is pretty standard practice. So what we did with a coach, it was longer. And we'd go through like, um, five, six, seven, eight of those cycles. A normal cycle for the normal practice for me is three of those cycles and then meditate for as long as you want to. A cycle generally being about 90 seconds of breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out, upwards of two minutes. And then again, somewhere between a minute to a two minute hold. So think about each one if they're on the, you know, about three minutes per cycle. Do that three times. That's only nine minutes. Um, Usually you get into a little bit more and you want to breathe a little bit more and hold a little bit longer. So it might be 10. And then I usually, um, after that last breath, you are in a really nice, quiet place and meditate for another five to 10 minutes. So it usually ends up being about, I would say my average is probably about 18 minutes, long ones mm-hmm. being 28 to 30 and short ones being 11 or 12. And do you do them first thing in the morning? You do them wherever you can get them or wherever how, I can wh- get them. what's worked for you? Yeah, wherever I can get them. So uh, the hardest one for me is right after a workout because you're 
um, a little short of breath. Um, I really like doing it on the weekends. I do it with Heather. Heather's done the same practice with me along the way. It's a nice kind of thing that popped up through quarantine. Um, So my favorite ones that I do is Saturday mornings, um, after morning routines, after getting kids breakfast and all that stuff um, before my workout. So we usually do it around like a, like around like nine o'clock on a Saturday is when, you know, if, if on a Saturday, I usually get up around like seven or so. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. So uh, starting to wrap up, how would you recommend folks start this, right? If they haven't had any experience yeah. in it, maybe they've heard of Wim Hof, but they've never really dipped their toes into it. Uh, obviously you got a coach, but, but, but probably there's a, there's maybe a step before that. What would you recommend? I know there are a bunch of apps, but I also know that you're not yeah. an app guy. So I, how do you, how would you recommend <laughs> folks start? Uh, Wim Hof does have an app and that's probably, I don't have it, but I do think that that probably would be the most um, strategic place to start. Um, where I go now, a lot of times is just uh, the number one, the number two search engine in the world, YouTube yeah. and YouTube Wim Hof breathing method and just kind of okay. listen to him, uh, maybe grab some podcasts with him on it. Um, but otherwise just jump in and experience it. Uh, Wim Hof guided um, breathing on mm-hmm. um on youtube other than that um that the book breath would be another place i'd highly recommend cool. it kind of it, it it's kind of mind people in our in our space would love it it's a little mind-blowing interesting okay um and then i assume that the goal for you is it wasn't a hundred day challenge it's something you're gonna keep doing no it was a um it was a 10-day challenge <laughs> so we were like hey, let's do this for 10 days and see what happens yep. And, um, yeah, right. Yeah. Success. It's hard. It's hard not to do it now. All right, cool. Uh, my friend, thank you. That was great. That was, uh, I think a great primer for, for breath work. And I think, um, if folks want to check out those resources, we'll, we'll leave them in the show notes, uh, to, uh, to find them easily. But, um, thank you, Ben. That was fun. Uh, thank you everybody out there listening. Thank you for your ratings and your reviews. We'll be back next week for another episode of chasing excellence. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening.